Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to seek God's presence and serve God's people. Now, let's get to the message. No, a good dad is a good thing to have, and I'm grateful that I have a good dad. Uh, my pops, uh, Pastor Jeff Phillips from Legacy Owensboro in Kentucky, is actually going to be with us in July preaching the gospel. And uh, we're going to be doing a summer series called Building an Unshakable Life. How many of you guys would like to grow in strength and empower in your life? Well, we're going to be doing that all summer. We're actually going to be studying a big old deep dive on one psalm, which is Psalm 27. Any, any, anybody like Psalm 27 in the room? I love Psalm 27. I love Psalm 27. So um, we're, we're going to have my dad here. Our elders are going to be preaching. I'm telling you guys, you do not want to miss a Sunday in July. It's going to be amazing. Um, but I'm going to finish. I tell you that because I'm going to finish our Just Jesus sermon series today. I know everybody wanted to boo me, but um, it's been a good series. Would you agree? Man, it's been an amazing series. I have so enjoyed just engaging different facets of the face of Jesus each and every Sunday. So we're going to finish that today. I want you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 15. Uh, We're going to go to John 15, and we're going to read five verses of Scripture together. Uh, We're going to begin with verse 12 and uh, read all the way to verse 17 this morning. So when you found it in your Bible, if you don't mind, uh, stand up with me because we're going to read this out loud all together as a family. If you don't have your Bible, you can open it up in your app if you would like. If you don't have an app, download one, but read it off the screen as well. John 15, Verse 12 all the way to verse 17. Y'all ready to read? Are y'all hungry for a word? Well, we trust God for one today. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Let's stop right there real quick. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new command, that you love each other the way I loved you. Anybody remember the great commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as? Hold on, wait. Jesus just upped the ante. He said, you've heard it said before that you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but now I'm telling you that you must love one another in the same way that I love you. How many of you guys know that's impossible apart from the grace of God? There is no way it is even possible that we love one another the way Jesus loves us unless he gives us his love to love each other with. How many of you guys know you are loving with borrowed love? If you don't have enough, I know where to point you to so you can get some more. Everybody say, just Jesus. All right, let's pick back up verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Everybody say friends. Friends. You are my if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you to be I should have just did like the friends show logo for today. I have called you for all that I have heard from my father. 
I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Title of the message today is simply No Fake Friends. No fake friends. Jesus wants a real, relational, intimate friendship with you. Everybody say me. me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we welcome that friendship, don't we, church? We welcome friendship with you today, Jesus, to a greater measure. No matter what we've had in the past, God, we pray that you would blow our minds by revealing to us how much you love us and how much you wanna be in relationship with us today. I declare that each and every person in this room and watching online is gonna leave this service today falling deeper in love with Jesus. Lord, reveal your love to us today is what we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. On your way to your seat, just give somebody a high five. Say, no fake friends. I don't want them. I don't want them. I don't want him. I don't want him. Hey, tell him in exchange, say, he doesn't want him either. No, y'all didn't do that second part. Tell him in exchange, say, he don't want him either. No, no, Jesus doesn't want no fake friends. Jesus wants real friends, real friends. You know, it's so interesting to me when we get involved in church, we oftentimes just start thinking about ministry, you know, and even the disciples, they were thinking about ministry because they had signed up to follow Jesus, who was also a rabbi. And this was not an uncommon thing in their time period. You would have a rabbi, a man of God, a pastor, if you will, and he would take to himself a number of disciples. And it was very common for that relationship to be strictly professional. But Jesus shows up as a new kind of rabbi. Jesus shows up as a new kind of Lord. He says, listen, I don't want you guys just following me from a distance so you can learn from me as a professional pastor in ministry. I want you following me closely so that we can have a real intimate fellowship and friendship. I want to go beyond the religious norms, and I want to appoint you to something greater than ministry to other people. I want to bring you into relationship with me so that you can minister to me first. It's a new kind of rabbi. For the disciples to be listening to this, it would have blown their mind. Did y'all catch that part where he said, I have appointed you? And I know we hear that, and we're like, yes, I've been anointed. I've been appointed. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. The first thing that you have been appointed to is not a position in ministry to minister to other people. The first thing you've been appointed to is friendship with Jesus. That's the very first thing. That's the very first thing. If you are interested in ministry to other people, you're going to have to first be passionate about ministry to him because he said, you got to love them like I love you. And there's only one place to get that love. And that's from Jesus. If you, if you don't get it from him, you, you, there is no way, surely, you can give it to them. Wow. So true. That's so good. If your ministry to others is suffering, it's because you've neglected your first love. 
Because if you're not full enough from your relationship with him, it is impossible that you'd have anything to pour out to them. So important for us to remember that. I know last week I talked about Jesus as, anybody remember? Jesus as, right? Because that's how we start our relationship with him. The origin story of our discipleship is acknowledging that Jesus is our Lord. But Jesus doesn't want us to serve him only as Lord, as though he is like a master somewhere off in the sky controlling us like robots or a puppeteer. Yes, we get into the kingdom by acknowledging that he is the Lord, which is why he also said, if you love me and you're my friends, then you're going to keep my commandments because you're going to keep in mind that I'm the Lord. However, I want to go beyond just being a distant Lord in your life. I'm not trying to control you. I want to have a real intimacy with you. I'm talking like forehead to forehead kind of intimacy. I'm talking like cheek to cheek kind of intimacy. I want like a real friendship. So, so yes, we get into the kingdom confessing with our lips that Jesus is Lord, but we continue in the kingdom by cultivating a real, living, breathing, alive friendship with Jesus. How many of you guys know Jesus is a person, not a practice? Sometimes we talk about Jesus like, it's a, a, like we're, we're improving our meditation practice. We talk about Jesus like we're mastering our yoga moves like a practice. But this is, not a, this is not a dry practice. This is a, a person who is alive, who's in the room right now with you, speaking to you, welcoming you into a greater degree of relationship with him. Like that's Christianity. That's what we get as a result of believing in him. How many of you guys are still excited about friendship with Jesus? Or have you traded it in for ministry? Are, are you still excited about friendship with Jesus? Or have you traded it in for community groups? Have you traded it in for church attendance? Have you traded it in for tithing? Have you traded it in for Bible study? I mean, all of those things are great and we should do them. But it's so oftentimes we get bored with our relationship and our intimacy with him. And then we trade it, we trade it in for religious practices. So you have a semblance of it, but it lacks the power. And that's what Jesus is doing there. He's like, look, guys, this is not just dead religion. This isn't my goal. My goal is like real, actual fellowship, friendship. I don't want no fake friends. So there's four things that I see in that passage of scripture we just read. Bullet points. I want to pull them out from the start. Number one is this. Jesus loves us so much. He lays down his life for us. That, that's the type of friend Jesus is. He loves you so much. He said, I am literally going to die for you. You got any other friends like that? That's a good friend. Uh, second thing is this, is that a formalized religious relationship is just not enough for Jesus. He can't skim the surface with you. He wants to know the real you, not the, not the you you pretend to be. He wants to know the real you. He opens the door to real, relational, intimate, heart-on-heart -heart connection. That's verse 15. The third point is this. He deliberately chooses again and again to love us, no matter what. Have you guys ever been praying and Jesus said to you, this is the last time? 
You never had that experience, have you? Again and again and again, he chooses to love you. He never, I'm so disappointed. I've forgiven you of this like a million times. When are you gonna stop? He didn't do that. Again and again, he chooses deliberately to love us. And the fourth one is this, because he's our real friend, he promises to respond to our request. Whenever we call out asking for help, he said, I'm here. I'm listening. Have you ever been praying before and he hit you with this? Hey, man, um, I'm a little busy right now. Check back in a couple of days. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling up to it. There's never been a time in your life where you've ever prayed and Jesus shot you down like, nope, I don't have time for you. That's the amazing thing about the omnipotence of Jesus is that even if a million people pray to him at the exact same time, he hears each and every one of them like they're the only one praying. He's just, yeah, I'm, I'm here for you. I got you. I'm ready to respond to your request. I'm your best friend and I want you to be my best friend. God's greatest desire is that he become your greatest desire. What he wants more than anything else is for you to want him more than anything else. And that's what he's designed this relationship to be like. That, that, that real, that intimate, that depth, that love. So just to rephrase those points real quick, Jesus is such a good friend that he sacrifices for us, that he's not fake with us, he's loyal to us, and he's helpful to us whenever we need him. I don't know about you guys, but that right there fits the criteria of a BFF. That's it. Best friend forever, 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 and ever, and ever. Sorry, Miss Jackson. Okay, I'm just, just, it popped in. Um, Forever, ever, ever. Right? Like, he's that good. He's that good. And he's going to make good on that promise for forever, because we're going to be with him forever. And we need to be reminded of this, because we have not been ever this lonely before. We're super duper lonely. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we as human beings right now in this state of time are very, very lonely. Um, Harvard Magazine and Harvard University published some statistics not too long ago, but in 17, the first time they cited this was when the U.S. Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, actually called loneliness among Americans a public health epidemic. He said, this is actually a public health crisis. People are so lonely. As a result of this, the UK actually appointed a minister of loneliness. And they took it on as a department of the government to work on solving the loneliness epidemic in their nation. That is, that, that's crazy. That's the time in which we live. More recent statistics from Harvard College. They sent out a survey uh, of, of various I don't know how many it was now, but various American adults that said 36% of all the respondents, they reported this, serious loneliness, feeling lonely frequently, or almost all the time, or all the time, within the last month of being asked the questions. Out of those percentages, 60%, so almost two-thirds, of young people between the ages of 18 and 25, so Gen Z, And 51% of young mothers reported serious loneliness and feeling lonely all of the time, or at least close to all of the time. 
that's the state of people living in our country. 43% of young adults reported increases in loneliness since the outbreak of the pandemic. About half of lonely young adults in our survey reported that no one in the past few weeks had taken more than just a few minutes to ask how they are doing in a way that made them feel like the person genuinely cared. So you got a huge chunk of Gen Z, over 40% saying, I feel lonely and I don't think anybody has checked up on me at all. Young adults right now suffer high rates of both loneliness and anxiety and depression. And according to a recent CDC survey, says 63% of Gen Z are suffering significant symptoms of anxiety and depression. 63% church of our young people suffering with symptoms of anxiety and depression. And you know who's uh, found out about this and, and that are capitalizing on it is the marketers, right? Because they've monetized our loneliness and thus we have the byproduct of social media, right? Because if we can't have a real actual relationship, then we'll settle for a fake, distant, pretend relationship with somebody we don't actually know online. And I don't have anything against online relationships nor online dating, just as long as it's healthy, it's pure, and it's biblical. I know I've married a lot of couples that have met online, and I praise God for that. You know, hey, if the Bible era had, you know, what is the Christian dating app? Christian Mingle or something? I don't even know if this is safe, so I shouldn't recommend it. But (laughs) do your research. If you're single, pray about it. If the Holy Ghost says it's cool, amen. Um, find a real friend. That's, that's my point. I'm gonna go ahead and dig myself out of that pit. Um, find a real friend because everybody needs a real friend. Everybody wants a real friend. Everybody wants somebody healthy in their life that will do like Jesus said, right? I'll sacrifice for you. Everybody wants a friend like that. Everybody wants a friend that says, I want a real relationship, not a fake one. Don't come in here with that fake mess. I know the real, real. And when you tell me you're fine, I know you ain't fine. So what's up? That's the real kind of friends right there. Nope. Mm-mm. I know you ain't fine. You don't show up to work looking like this when you're fine. I know that ain't true. I know right now that ain't true. Sit down. Right? That's the real friends. That right there is the real friends. Right? I mean, they'll call you on it right away. Right away. Oh, yeah. Some of my friends I know whenever I ask them, how you doing? It, it doesn't even matter how they answer. I just see it on like. How are you really doing? That's Jesus. He don't want no fake friends. He wants real friends. And you know what else Jesus does? He's loyal, meaning he doesn't break relationship with you just because you make a mistake. He's like, look, I'm ready to be forgiving. I'm going to stay in this relationship with you. I'm loyal to you. Oh, somebody else is talking bad about you. I'm going to take up for you because I'm loyal to you. Loyalty. And then lastly, he said, listen, I'm here to help you. I'm going to help you move, which is, which is when you know who your real friends are. <laughs> All you need to do is move. If you're on a third floor apartment, you get extra bonus points for whoever comes to help you move out of your apartment. That's how you know. Jesus would show up to help you move. He wants real friends, not fake friends, not ritualistic 
religious patrons. He wants actual friends, real friends. And I know it sounds uh, really, really cheesy to say Jesus wants to be your BFFF, but listen, he does not want acquaintances. He doesn't want religious associates. He wants actual relational friends. That's what Jesus wants. And here's how he proves it. In verse 13 of the passage we just read, he said, greater love has no one than this. Isn't that a funny statement, by the way? Like we read that, we're like, what does that even mean? Greater love has no one than this. You know what he's saying? I'm the best friend that humanity could ever long for. There is no greater love than the love that I offer to you. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying there is no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. This is how Jesus proves to us the love that he has for us and the friendship that he wants with us. This is the greatest love ever, and this is why we can say Jesus surely is the best friend that I could ever ask for. I could never hope that any human being could uh, feel that measure of love and of friendship for me. He truly is a friend. Jesus is not just a friend you know, by cultural definition. He's also a friend by biblical definition. And I did a little research this week. I'm not going to have you guys repeat Hebrew and Greek and all that stuff this week. But I did want to highlight real quick the three biblical layers of friendship. Number one is as associate or acquaintance. That's number one. So in the Bible, you'll see people have sort of acquaintance relationships. And this is what would have been expected amongst the disciples with their rabbi. We have, we have an associate, associative relationship. I know of you, you know of me, but we're not like real, real with each other. It doesn't mean we, it doesn't mean we, we don't like each other, don't love each other to some extent, but we're just really associates, right? That's the first layer. The second layer goes beyond association and acquaintances, and it moves into loyalty. I'm going to be there for you, man. Like, it, I, I am there for you. And the third layer is affection. So you got acquaintance, it builds on it. Acquaintance plus loyalty, and it builds on it. Acquaintance plus uh, loyalty plus affection. And if you guys were here for the masterclass, relationship masterclass, you may have remembered Dr. Glenn talking about the two questions that humans need to have answers in order to have a positive connection is, are you gonna be there for me? And am I good enough for you? Jesus answers both through loyalty and affection. I'm not just your associate, but I am gonna be there for you. And you're good enough for me. I'm your best friend. I'm here for you. And he proves this in verse 13 when he says, I love you so much, I'm gonna die for you. That's how much I love you. I'm gonna put my, my life on the line and sacrifice for you. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, uh, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm never gonna leave you nor forsake you. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. This is how Jesus proves his love and his friendship for us. He says, I'm never gonna leave you. He's so loyal, he's so sacrificial. And I know sometimes we buy into the idea that, you know, we're so distant from God because we've left him. And I like to, you know, illustrate it like this. I think sometimes when we turn our back on God and we say, I am walking away from Jesus, we expect it to be so hard to get back to him because we believe that we have walked so far that he's now so far away. And the only way that we could ever restore our relationship with him would be to make that long, arduous, sacrificial journey all the way back to that place and it's so difficult and challenging that I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to do it. I don't even, I don't even think it, I don't think it's possible. And yet every time we take a step away from God, he takes a step right behind us. 
We take a step, he takes a step. We take a step, he takes a step. We take a step, he takes a step. So when we turn around, we hit him in the chest. Oh, I didn't know you were here. Yes, I followed you into your darkness. I am loyal to you. I didn't think you would even show up in this place. Yes, I followed you into your sin. I think you may have forgotten. I'm the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I love you so much. I'll be this loyal. I went to the cross for this. I'll sacrifice to stay with you. I know you seem to be out of your mind, but listen, I'm right here with you. I'm gonna keep coming too because I love you that much and I'm not a fake friend. And even though everybody else turns their back on you because you've done things that they deem unforgivable, I'm ready with my forgiveness. I'll never turn my back on you. I'm always welcoming you here into this type of relationship. It's not like you have to like win me over. You just have to repent. Jesus is like, you've done so many bad things to me, it's gonna take you like a year. I know I'm joking, but this is hitting home for somebody in here this morning. I know it is because we buy into these lies. It's like, I would turn back to God, but it's just too much work. Jesus has already done all the work on the cross over 2,000 years ago so that it wouldn't cost you anything other than your confession to come home. Jesus, he's right there. Guys, that's the gospel. That's the good news of what we preach, what we teach, what we practice, what we live out is that Jesus is not just our savior. Yes, he is that and he's an amazing one, but he's also our best friend, always ready and willing to welcome us into real relationship with him. And that's what he wants. And that's what he wants more than anything else, which is why he went to the cross. In verse 15 of John 15, it says this, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. What? Hold on, wait. You mean Jesus discloses his innermost secrets with his friends? Yes. Jesus wants to talk to you about the secrets of his heart. Jesus wants to tell you about the conversations he's had with the Father, which is why he said to the disciples, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been made known to you. There are certain things that are reserved for friends, not just followers. And Jesus wants to share those things with you. Uh, you know, it's, it's actually a paradigm shift to think about the fact that Jesus wants to share things with me. I thought that it was me that shared things with him. I remember one time I was preaching at this youth camp and uh, I was just over in the corner worshiping and uh, you know, it was a move of the spirit kind of like today and I just began to cry and I said, Jesus, I wanna lay my head on your shoulder and cry. And he said to me, who's gonna offer me their shoulder? And that shocked me. I thought, Jesus, you don't need a shoulder, but I want yours because I want this kind of friendship with you. I want this kind of nearness with you. I want this kind of intimacy with you. I, I not only want you to pour your heart out to me, but I wanna pour my heart out to you. I wanna tell you my secrets. I wanna share with you my feelings. Did you know that God does have feelings? He's got things he likes, things he dislikes, things that quench his spirit, things that grieve his spirit. Is that not the same as hurting somebody's feelings? He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to disclose the secrets of his heart to you. I wanna trust you with this. I wanna share with you my secrets. But who longs to listen? 
Or is he our genie in the sky that just does what we want whenever we, you know, do well? Are you with me, church? Because I think a lot of times we have that idea of God when he's like, no, I want to go deeper. I want a real, actual friendship. So what I want to do is I just want to give you guys some quick points on how to build a friendship with Jesus. All right? So just a few things you can take home. How to build a good, a strong friendship with Jesus. Number one is this. Share your secrets. So accessing the secret place requires a certain measure of vulnerability. God blesses who you really are, not who you pretend to be. Right? You don't have to take your religiosity into the secret place or else you'll go into a prayer closet, but it will never be the secret place. You have to go in and you have to say, this is the real me. I'm mad at you because of this. Have you ever told the Lord you're mad at him before? Some of y'all are like, today. Yeah, I, had, I did, yeah. It's, that's normal. Don't you tell other people that you're in deep relationship with that you're like, I don't like that you did that. Every now and then I say that to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, no. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Even Jesus did that in Gethsemane. I don't want to, there has to be another way, but whatever your will is, I say yes to it, Lord. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. This is how you prove that you're really my friend, that you obey me. That's what Jesus said here in John 15, right? And so number one is share your secrets. Not sharing your secrets with God in the secret place is like playing hide and go seek with a toddler. Have you ever played hide and go seek with like a two or three year old before? And they're standing beneath the curtain, like two foot out from the wall, pretending like you can't see them. And you're like, oh, where's, right? Where you at? Come out, come out wherever you are. That's like hiding your secrets from God in prayer. Because he knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. Uh, I think Katie read it this morning. He knows what you need before you even ask him for it. He's just waiting for you to say it. Because he wants real relationship. He's not monitoring your mind like, you know, they don't have to ask me. You know, they don't have to talk to me. I'm just, you know, kind of the puppeteer in the sky. No, he wants an actual friendship with us, which is why it's important if we're gonna build a real friendship with Jesus is to share our secrets, be vulnerable. Matthew 6 and 6 said, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret. Did you know Jesus is really good at keeping secrets? You may have been hurt by people in the past where they took your secret and they gossiped about you. Jesus will never expose you. He'll always cover you. Jesus will never break your trust or your confidence. He will always listen to you and treat you gently despite what it is that you confess because he already knows. You can't surprise God. God, shocker, I sinned again. He's like, I know. I'm just waiting on you to come talk to me about it so I can heal you from it. Because whatever you reveal, God heals. But whatever you conceal, he won't touch. Read through the Psalms, read David. Whatever you reveal, God will heal. Bring it to him. Here it is, God. I'm being honest about it. I don't want any secrets between us. God can handle it. He can take it. No matter how ugly you think your heart is in this current moment, he can handle it. Everybody say, he can handle it. Here's point two. Turn loneliness into a gift. 
I know, I know this is hard. I know this is difficult because when we get lonely, we get low, we get sad, and we start looking for things that are going to pick us up, even if they're unhealthy things. Yeah, right. I, I get it. I know. But listen, one of the practices, and, and actually my first pastor, uh, aside from my dad, Jonathan Suber, whom you guys met, he had a message called the gift of loneliness. And you got to begin to look at loneliness like a gift because when you're alone, you have a better opportunity to spend one-on-one time with Jesus. Listen, there's going to come a day when you're busy, all right? And if you're single and don't have kids, you're not busy. All the parents in here are like, ha, ha, he right, yeah, he right. Because you think you're busy right now, okay? You think you're busy, but this is the time that you need to be digging your well because you need to dig that well real deep and you need to fill it up with a lot of secret history with God called intimacy so that when you get even busier and you wake up to the sound of a baby crying with a dirty diaper and you're just trying to get your Devo in and you can't read the Bible because your two-year-old just ripped the page out that was in your devotionals and you want to rip your hair out because you feel like you're going crazy and you can't get no kind of space and everybody's loud and then the email starts coming in and the text message starts coming in because you're pastoring a church that's growing like crazy. This ain't me. This is somebody else. And you're thinking to yourself like, man, I wish I had some intimacy to draw upon. And then you remind yourself, oh, that time that Jesus said, I want your show. See, you start to draw off that intimacy and that secret history and those things that you've stored up long ago. You need that. Because there are going to be times in your life you're going to be busy. And you, you have to kind of, you know, run and gun, if you will. And so you need that memory. You need that encounter. You need that word. You need that journal entry. You build your secret history with God. You need it. You need it. Turn loneliness into a gift, even in your darkest moments, church. You can close your eyes with love on your lips and say, Jesus. And he'll be there every single time. He's so consistent. He's so faithful. I don't know about you guys, but he's batting a thousand in my life. Never strikes out. Never whiffed one. Never had to walk him. He just, every time, home run. Wow. He's that faithful, guys. He's that consistent. No matter who has left you, Jesus never will. No matter who's lied on you, Jesus never will. No matter who's turned their back on you, Jesus never will. Deuteronomy 31 and 6, the Lord your God goes with you. He'll not leave you nor forsake you. He said himself in 1 Kings chapter 6, I will never, and God is not a man that he should lie, I will never abandon my people. That's his promise to you. Point three. Make it mutual. Don't let it be one-sided. You ever been in a one-sided relationship before? Doesn't that always leave you feeling taken advantage of? I'm putting in all the work. This person ain't doing nothing. I'm done with them. Thank God Jesus never says I'm done with you because I'd have to think that there have been seasons in my life for sure where he's doing all the work and it's not mutual. Make it Mutual. Don't let it just be Jesus talking to you. Talk to him. Share your life with him. Talk to him on your commute. Talk to him when you just, you want it to be a mutual relationship because a one-way friendship cannot endure. I mean, it it begs the question, have we taken advantage of Jesus? And this is something I've noticed that kind of happens often, unfortunately, is that we come to this place where, you know, 
our, our love, it grows cold for Jesus. And so instead of repenting and returning back to that place of first love and the secret place and intimacy and friendship, then we just exchange all of the good stuff that we've been set apart for. And we make it all about the stuff that we've been set apart from. And it's all about church. It's all about church attendance. It's all about ministry. It's all about serving. It can be even about Bible study and intercession. But it's not real love. It's not that deep, actual, relational friendship that Jesus has called us into. Church, Christianity is about someone, not something. And it's only about that. It's only about that. It's all about Jesus. It's only about Jesus. And Jesus wants this kind of relationship with you. But are we like the disciples? Whenever Jesus said, I want you to be there for me too. Let me go a little further in the garden called Gethsemane. Just watch and pray with me one hour. And what happened? They fell asleep. I have to believe that, you know, much of the bride, we're, we're asleep. We're saying, oh, we're so glad you're here for us, Jesus. Meeting all of our needs for us, Jesus. And he's like, well, I want you to be here for me too. Oh, I got to take a nap. Too busy. Jesus, you know my schedule. You know how hard it is right now. You know how challenging. You know my season. That's why number four is this. Let it cost you. I've never known intimacy not to cost you. A patronage doesn't have to cost you. A, 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 a acquaintance doesn't have to cost you. Associate type of relationship doesn't have to cost you. But when you get into loyalty, it's going to cost you. When you get into affection, it's going to cost you. You'll never have a deep relationship that only functions by convenience. It will never happen. It'll never happen. We must let it cost you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but God is so good at choosing inconvenient opportunities to call me into fellowship with him. Has, have you guys noticed that? It happens to me all the time, like 4 a.m. I'm like, I just, it's four. Holy Spirit ain't even up yet, Lord. You know what I mean? It's like Benny Hinn wrote that book, like, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. I'm like, it's good afternoon, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, I, my Jesus likes to sleep in. These are the things that go through my head at 4 o'clock in the morning whenever it's like, hey, come, come talk to me. Right? I, I, you know how tired I am. Same old movie. Hey, come, come be with me. I sleep on the job. I know this is hitting home, but I don't know about you, but this is like, this is, this is so normative for me, is that the Lord would speak to me in moments that are inopportune because there are moments in which I'm tired, but you know what I notice? There are moments in which I'm alone. The Lord's like, when am I gonna get you alone, man? You got three kids. So it's like, it's like those moments, he just picks those pockets. And it's like, hey, come talk to me. That's intimacy. Intimacy, cost. And you know what? Costs never look the same between people. What it costs you may not be what it costs the other person. And what it costs the other person may not be what it costs you. You can't compare cost when it comes to intimacy with Jesus because we're not competing for our relationship with him. He's accessible to all of us simultaneously. And you also just, you can't compare seasons either. 
You know, intimacy looks different for different people in different seasons. You can't look at somebody's prayer life and get judgmental. You don't know what they're going through, and you don't know what's going on in their life. It looks different for different people, but no matter the cost and, and no matter what it looked like previously, no matter the invitation, we must do our best to offer the same loyalty to him that he offers to us. I'm here for you. I'm here for you, and I want to talk to you, and it's important to me, and I care about it. You know, just in this last little bit, I think it's just been a season that for me has felt sometimes so busy that it's almost overwhelming. And um, believe it or not, um, you probably will believe this, but um, I had a little moment in which I, I had the opportunity to have some prayer time to myself. And I, it's probably just one morning or something. And, and uh, I laid down on the floor, just put my back on the ground. I said, ah, whew, Jesus, I'm so glad I get to spend a little time with you. Uh, I'm busy, and, uh, and, I, and I, I, I kind of felt like he laid down next to me, and I, I just said to him, I said, you're busy too, and I said, you know, if you don't, if you got something better to do right now, you can, I won't take it, it's all good, Lord, I know you're, I'm busy, you're busy, I get it, isn't that, isn't that something silly to say to Jesus, but yet, it makes its way into our mentality because it's, it's kind of our life, and we're like, you know, Jesus, I know you got a lot going on. You got a lot of people to heal, save, and do all this. Uh, you know, I'm all right. I'll, I'll just sit here. And I had this vision where the Lord handed me a piece of paper, and he said, here's my schedule. And it was his daily task, and everything was crossed through, and he said, I just cleared it for you. Jesus is never too busy to spend time with his friends. He always wants to spend time with us. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says, he never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He's always here for us. He's looking for friends that he can trust, that he can have a real relationship with, not just people that he can move through for ministry. Jesus wants to do more than move through you for ministry. He wants to share his secrets with you. So I don't know about you, but I want to grow in my friendship with Jesus. Anybody else in the room? Yeah. Well, let's pray together. If you don't mind, let's stand up. We're going to pray into that word. Today may be a day that you just feel that you need to take a little inventory, and I want to give you that opportunity. If you don't mind, just bow your head, close your eyes just for a few minutes, please. And I want to ask you, take inventory, take stock of your spiritual relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about your religious relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about your formal relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about your actual real relationship with Jesus. And if you need to repent and return back to that place of real relationship with Jesus, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything. You don't have to say anything out loud, but I just wanna ask you to do that. It can be an e as easy as prayer in your heart. Jesus, I repent. I have sorrow in my heart because I've turned away from actual relationship with you. You know, maybe you traded it in for something that you deem more important. That's called idolatry. That is sin. It's time to repent. It's time to return. It's time to come back to first love and real relationship with Jesus. This is what you've been saved for. You're not saved for church. Listen, I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but you've not been saved for church. You've not been saved for ministry. You've not been saved just to go to heaven when you die. You have been saved for heaven now, and that's called relationship with Jesus. 
intimacy with Jesus. This is what you were born for. You are a new creation for this purpose, that you might have right fellowship with the Lord Jesus and have peace and joy in that relationship. If you're in here today and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, with every eye closed, would you just, would you just lift your hand up courageously? I just want to create an opportunity right now. We want to pray for you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else in here? Awesome. I see you. Anybody else? Right now. Today is the day. Awesome. I see you. Today is the day that we get to come to right relationship with Jesus. I see four people that have lifted their hands this morning, and we're going to pray with them right now and welcome them into this relationship with the Lord. Let's pray together. Thank you for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure you log into the store and give us a good review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Join us again next week for another powerful word.